This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Your best insight into Utah Jazz basketball and the NBA in Utah. For the next two hours, it's nothing but NBA conversation from the local front to around the association. Now let's get things rolling with Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Guided by Hayward. Exchange to Clay Thompson. Open three left side. Doesn't get it. Livingston to the board. Outside Clay. Reloads another three. Got it! Clay Thompson with 15 seconds to go has tied the game at 89. Ingles roll inbound. And they'll put Harrison Barnes on him. Here we go. Hayward. Thompson jumps out. The clock runs. Ten to play. Down to nine. Hayward with seven. Now six. Over the top to Mack with four. Here's three. Mack blocked. Hayward at the horn. And we're going to overtime. Curry, pick and roll Draymond. Bounce pass Draymond to the rack. Look out. Right hand slam for Draymond Green. Warriors lead by eight with a minute four to go and a timeout for the Jazz. Hood picks up a loose ball. He'll pump up a quick three. Short. Lyle inside. Wrap around shot. And Clay Thompson rebound. Jeff Curry only has to do a dribble out the clock. And Golden State will go to 68 and 67. 6 0. It's in overtime. You know, I didn't appreciate that reminder. I was trying to get over this, and I didn't need the achy breaky heart music. No, that's exactly what you need. <laughs> Welcome into the Salt City Hoop Show. I'm Andy Larson, managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com, ESPN Troop affiliate of the Utah Jazz. That audio brought to you by Root Sports and Warriors, the Warriors Radio Network, so courtesy of those guys for that. Thank you. Uh, Zach Harper joins me as, as my co-host every week on the show. Uh, CBSSports.com, National NBA columnist, just spent hours with Carl Anthony Towns. Over an hour with Carl Anthony Towns. Okay. 1.5 hour. 1.25 hours? 1.25 hours. As long as I can use a plural on the word hour, <laughs> what I said is not a lie. Right. We're with you for the next two hours talking about the Utah Jazz and the NBA. And as that intro uh, began, uh, so, so clearly reminded me, uh, last night, the Jazz lost a heartbreaker to the Golden State Warriors, 103-96. Um, they could have so easily won. There were a lot of opportunities to win that game. So many opportunities, you know, and we'll talk about it, with free throws and, and you know, made shots, missed shots, those sort of things. Um, just to give you a heads up on what else is coming in on, on the show, talk a little bit about Shelvin Mack in the point guard position, uh, rebuilding and progression. Give you some updates on injuries to Alec Burks, Derek Favors, and Dante Exum later on in the show. And then, of course, at some point, we have to go all in on this D'Angelo Russell thing. This Lakers, um, this Lakers land is a land bountiful LOLs at all times. Yes, yeah, so we'll do our, our uh, probably the longest LOL Lakers segment yeah. we've, we've done in show history. We'll talk a little bit about Kyrie Irving and uh, the Matt Barnes, Derek Fisher situation yeah, as well. Yeah, that's a weird situation. So. <laughs> a lot of weirdness in the NBA this week. Yeah, it's a very soap opera-y week. Yes. We'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, as always, go around the NBA, and yeah, that's our show. So, uh, I mean, get excited, folks. Right. There's no reason to tune away now. No, there is not. Yeah, especially if you're listening to this as a podcast. <laughs> that would just be a weird decision to listen to two minutes of a podcast and then and then go away from it. I mean, we, we probably broke some hearts with the first 
Uh, yeah, you may have part of that. May have discouraged some. That was a tough game, though. I mean, that was that's one of those where, and I wasn't in the the jazz locker room after the game, but I heard it was it was pretty silent. Um, you know, kind of like a, a funeral almost, and it's because you're in the hunt of a playoff race. This is a game that you probably count as a loss on the schedule, and you have a chance to turn into a win, and not just a win, but a win against a historic team. That's a confidence builder. Yeah, I think that's really it. Is you know, you you can say, look, it's a schedule loss, and I, I don't think that it. People would have been the team would have been that down after like a twenty point loss. Say, right, you know, you know that's just frustrated but not devastated. Sure, right? exactly. You know, you get beat by a good team that that sort of thing happens. But when you do have that opportunity to pull it off against you know an elite team and and be kind of part of history, you know, yeah, absolutely. Not, if you win, whether or not the Warriors make the record, you can either be the team that stops them from getting the record if they end up with seventy one, seventy two wins. Yeah, or. Uh, be one of the nine teams or eight teams that ended up beating the best, the team with the best record in NBA history. Sure. I mean, so kind of a, a missed opportunity there. From, yeah, absolutely. From a missed opportunity. That kind of long term perspective. And it's the way that, and it's the way they missed the opportunity. That's frustrating, mm-hmm. right? Right. Because, you know, you go 13 for 30 or 13 for 29 on the free throw line. Uh, and ultimately, you know, every other game this season, you shot better than that. Right, the Jazz did. Right, if they shoot like they did in every other seventy-four out of the seventy-five games this season, uh, they win that game. You yeah. know, it's one more free throw in regulation. Yeah, and it's it's not like you know a lot of good shooters had good free throw opportunities too. I mean, it's it's Gordon Hayward going four for eight. It's Sheldon Mack one for two. Rodney Hood three for five. Derek Favors one for four. Rudy Gobert one for four. You know, sure you expect kind of bad free throw shooting from Rudy Gobert, but Gordon Hayward you probably want more than fifty percent from. Yeah, I would say so. I think just, I think that's a fair assessment. Trevor Booker, you want more than one for four from? Yeah, it, it, it's is just it, so close. I don't. Uh, is it discouraging or is it just frustrating? It's super. Uh, it's okay. It's very frustrating in the moment, right? Sure. Like, uh, just as a competitor or uh, as a fan, yeah, you're you kind of feel that instant competitive moment well, of. Especially, too, as you're looking at this, and it's let's say it's a six-point game with whatever it was, seven minutes left or mm-hmm. five minutes left, uh, you know, you're, you're looking and you're kind of counting down the, the moments of, all right, well, if we get a stop here and we get a score here, then you push it to eight. And, it, and then right. when you get those free-throw moments, you, you kind of relax a bit and think, all right, well, we're going to hit at least one of these or two of these, or we'll hit both of them and, and, and get those extra points. And you just need, especially against a team like the Warriors, which we saw down the stretch of that game, especially in regulation, like – you just you cannot waste opportunities. They destroy right. you if you waste opportunities against them. Four for fourteen in the fourth quarter from the free throw line. Yikes! That's uh, that's officially not good. And even with that, you know, you have the opportunity to maybe get that defensive rebound on the initial Clay Thompson missed three. Sure. You have an opportunity to win the game with fifteen seconds left in the ball. I mean, you still have these other non free throw opportunities. Right. It still didn't work well. From a long term perspective, though, you're absolutely right. Like, holy cow, you know, we kept the Warriors to under 90 points in a 48 minute game. Yeah. That's incredible, right? I mean, yeah. I, I haven't looked up the stats of how many times that's been done so far this season, but I, I would mean, imagine not it's many. Not very many times. Well, and two, I, it's not just that they played well and they played, you know, they kept them under 90 points in a, you know, in a 48 minute game. I, it's the it's the fact that they controlled the pace of the game. That's mm-hmm. the thing that's so hard against the Warriors is that control of the pace, control of the tempo. So when you're able to dictate that, and I believe NBA.com had them as uh, the Warriors on the season have about 102 possessions a game. Well, in a overtime game, 
there were 95 possessions according to NBA.com. Like that's a very yeah. slow game that you can force the Warriors into. And you see twice this season in Salt Lake City, and maybe it's frustrating, extra frustrating too because of, of how close it was last time, but to have that moment and just let it slip away in a game, in two games where you controlled really what doesn't seem to be controllable this year. Yeah, I mean, so two things. One, the pace in the Jazz Warriors games, even in, in Oracle, in, in Golden State, uh, were actually pretty slow as well. Yeah. You look at the number of possessions, it's 91 and 93 for both of those games. Mm-hmm. Again, that's great playing right. against that's the Warriors. Right, that's what you want. And then secondly, it's actually only the Spurs who have prevented the Warriors from scoring below 89 points in a game in, in a 48-minute game they're pretty so far good. this season. And that was just you know last week, right. that, that matchup we talked about then. Uh, when they held them to 79. Other than that, every other team has had scored 89 or more points against the the or sorry the has the Golden State Warriors have scored 89 or more points against that team. Yeah. So again, 74 out of 75 games, you get it done. That's I mean that's it's really an incredible effort and it and it kind of sucks that they didn't get to to feel the reward of that because you do I don't know like it, it can get tricky getting into moral victories right but that is definitely a game where. The moral victory matters, but the loss of letting a letting a win like that, an actual victory like that, get away, uh, just just frustrates, especially at this time of year. Yeah, completely agreed. Now, I think the good news is that you kind of look at the playoff setup, and the Jazz aren't in a bad place by any means at all. Right. Uh, you know, you look at the various models. Five thirty eight has the Jazz at an eighty nine percent chance to still make the playoffs. ESPN eighty percent. Basketball Reference eighty percent. Uh, it, it's still likely that the Jazz make the playoffs, you know, exceedingly so. Sure. A lot still depends on those last two games, certainly, and especially the game against Dallas Mavericks here on April 11th. But the, you haven't slipped too much because this was, uh, you weren't favored in the game, right? Right, exactly. Uh, and then you look at kind of where you'll end up in the playoffs, the quote-unquote playoff seed probabilities where you start to look at, are they going to be the fifth seed, the sixth seed, seventh seed, eighth seed, or ninth seed? And honestly, it's basically the same as last week. You know, you're looking at a 84, instead of an 84% chance to make the playoffs, and it's an 82% chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, you didn't lose that much ground. And you're probably ending up in the 8th seed or 7th seed, just like we thought. You know, it's it's pretty much the same status quo as it was last week. Yeah, and that's kind of, you know, in in these moments where you do have those frustrating losses, as long as you don't lose ground. I mean, what what kind of hurts it as well is the... The Mavericks win a, a fairly close game last night, I believe. Yeah, uh, against the Knicks. Yeah, against the Knicks, they lost ninety-one eighty-nine. Um, so, and Knicks had basically two chances to right. tie or take the lead in that game. Yeah, so you would like a little bit of help there, but it doesn't come. You know, uh, Kurt Rambis is Kurt Rambis <laughs> just uh, can't count on him. What's amazing? Just a quick tangent on Kurt Rambis. Uh, he's taught so he's starting Sasha Vujacic over Aaron Aflalo at shooting guard because. I don't know. He's trying to light the Madison Square Garden on fire or something. I don't know what the deal is there. He's trying to incite a riot. And he claims that he talked to Aaron Aflalo about this, and Aaron Aflalo claims that that conversation never happened. So this is the kind of great communication you're getting with the Knicks team that needed to help out a Jazz team by beating the Mavericks. And yet they came close to it. And they it. came very close. Maybe if they played Aaron Aflalo more, it would have worked. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one Wesley Matthews defensive stop against Carmelo Anthony, and you know we're, we're talking about a different, I guess, set of probabilities, if right. you will. Uh, and by the way, even on this TNT game right now, Rockets were up 14, middle of the third quarter. The Bulls have found their way back in Houston and are only down one now with seven minutes That's left. That's not bad. No. That's the nice thing about the Rockets. They will find a way to not care enough 
to where they'll let game, they'll let teams back in games. And you and I, I think Dallas cares more. I just think they Dallas have, definitely cares. They just don't have healthy bodies, right. and capable bodies. Exactly. You got Chandler Parsons out. You got right. Darren Williams out. And you know, whereas the Houston has kind of thin Houston anyway. has non-refundable tickets after the season to go fly on vacation somewhere. Right. And they're trying <laughs> to decide like, all right, do I really want to eat that money or uh, am I gonna am I gonna just you know maybe not try so hard and hope that things fall our way. See, we've talked about how the Rockets seem to like have the switch, right? Of sure. when they care or not. Yeah. But then it seems like they don't know where that switch is placed. Like, I don't know. Like, sometimes right, they like do well at the first half of games. Yeah. And then sometimes they do well at the second half of games. It's like when you when you move into a, a new place and you wake up in the middle of the night because you have to go to the bathroom or something. And you're trying to feel around for the light switch on the wall but you don't really know where it is. So you're just kind of fumbling. You hope that you hit the switch and then everything's fine. But with the Rockets, they're just always fumbling around the dark. It's been pointed out to me, by the way, that I didn't announce that our Twitter handles in case you all want to chime in or, or call us, et cetera. Right. So uh, Twitter handles at Andy B. Larson. Yours is at Talk Hoops. Correct. And you can also call us at 877-353-0700 if you want to jump into the conversation. Uh, yeah, I mean, so you've got... Kind of questionable teams that you're you're competing against. Very questionable teams. Uh, I think Portland is pretty much good to go at this point. Portland should be fine. I mean, unless there's just an utter collapse, they they're they're sitting pretty, and I maybe they still have a chance at this at the five seed. Yeah, no, I I think that's it's possible. I th- I haven't looked. Not at the that standings. many games it's, left, so it's it's tough to. But Memphis does have such a tough schedule. Actually, they're two games a, back. A quick plug of of Salt City hoops. Yeah. Uh, Dan Clayton does these great Salt City 7 articles every Thursday Fantastic. on on Salt City Hoops. And he breaks down these uh, by the numbers of, of what the schedule looks like for the rest of the games. All five teams have seven games left mm-hmm. starting tonight. Memphis, their average opponent strength, has the average team they're playing has won 65% of games. Ooh. They play the Warriors twice in those last That's seven gonna games. That's going to hurt. I, like, they really might fall. Fall. I, I don't know if they fall out of the playoffs. That's a lot to ask for. To but... fall out of the playoffs, they have to lose the rest of their games, right? And, yeah, and one of these think. teams has to go on a little bit of a run. But in terms of that, that five seed is up for grabs. Definitely up for grabs. Uh, and then probably, yeah, probably not for Utah, Houston, and Dallas, but Portland could take it. And then you could see uh, it actually becomes a really interesting thing than how the tiebreakers work as well, because the three-way and four-way tiebreakers work very differently than just the two-team tiebreakers. Right. Uh Houston probably has the easiest schedule remaining. They have the the and least good opponents that they're playing. After season and series, five games at home. After season series, it goes to conference record. Correct. That, okay, so yeah. Houston's leading in that respect. Uh, the Jazz are the worst in that respect. But mm-hmm. Dallas could, you know, Dallas isn't that far ahead of them. I think game and a half in conference record. Correct. So, yeah. So they you know, they could grab the advantage there, but they'll also that final game of the season will. Again, that we'll already determine, determines right? the tiebreaker, yeah. right? Because the Jazz have only played, will only play the Mavericks three right. times this year. I mean, uh, look, the Rockets could also fall apart. Yeah, in, I mean, in conference play, and quite honestly, a lot depends on what happens in tonight's game. I mean, that's the thing with seven games left for all the teams. Everyone is pretty important. Every, Chicago counts. now leads by three, by the way, with six minutes left. There I mean, you go. This is this is the collapse. <laughs> this is this is the this is the famous Houston Rockets apathy Renaissance Festival. Like that's what it is with them. Why? Why? It, it At this be... point, you just have to embrace it. Yeah, no, you can't. It... You can't help. You can't hope that they're going to finally realize. Like, no, we should care. I'm just wildly, aff- like, my uh, sensibilities are wildly offended because 
the Jazz are, are by all accounts, kind of doing the right things sure. and, and actually trying on the basketball court most of the time and things like that. And, you know, the Rockets have an identical record because <laughs> I, I don't know. Because they, cause they signed Ty Lawson. They traded for Ty Lawson in the offseason. That's why. <sighs> It's anyway. It, that's the frustrating. Like maybe I don't know if this is a good a good comparison, but they're kind of like the dumb jock who fumbles his way through high school yeah. and, and gets you know passed along and gets the girl and all that stuff. And the Jazz are kind of nerdy and trying to do the right things and get ahead in life, and and they're just getting pushed aside a little bit too much. I just think that first tiebreaker should not be head to head record or conference or whatever. Right. I think it should be how much they care. Sure. <laughs> I want an objective method of, yeah. of like figuring out how much you care, whether or not you win or lose. Look, we can measure all kinds of things with biometrics and yeah. sports view and all this stuff, and there's no reason why we can't have a heart ometer right. to to figure out just how little the Rockets care. This seems exceedingly irrational. I am I, I am rooting for the Jazz if they do make the playoffs though to play the Warriors in the first round. I think it would be really fun. Because of yeah, I mean I think we saw a great example of that last night and really the Jazz's first matchup against Golden State in Salt Lake City of just how well these two teams can play against each other. I mean, we talked about the pace, but it, it's I think it's more than that in that I think Rudy Gobert pre- presents some really difficult defensive problems yeah. for the Warriors. I think uh, Derek Favors is kind of unique in his ability to guard both inside and out on, sure. on switches and those kind of things. And honestly, I think the, the offense seems to work fairly well against Golden State's defense for whatever reason. I mean, the offensive rating wasn't good last night, but if you make, you know, 75% of your free throws, then, it goes then up the a offensive little bit. rating looks amazing. Right, so exactly. Yeah, I, no, I don't I, know what to think. Uh, and the Warriors were very complimentary of this Jazz team in the locker room afterwards. Draymond Green mentioned Rudy Gobert. I mean, there was one point where he said, "Do you look? Do you see where he dunks from?" He's like, "I'm outside yeah. the charge circle, and he's he's dunking over me. He's getting, you know, he's tipping rebounds that I that I think I have, and he's just reaching over because of his length." And he's he said, "You know, you're very, you know, it was he knew it was going to be a tough game coming in there. He knows the t- the crowd's tough. He knows their style of play is tough." And I wrote this on CBS Sports last night. It it's really a great test for the Warriors in that two rounds from then they'll be playing the Spurs in the conference finals and it's a slow defensive minded, you know, executing team. It is really kind of the perfect, it's not a test so much as like just a great preparation for the rest of the playoffs for them. Do you think that that kind of can go through the second round, if you will, you know, so in the first round, if they play the jazz, they'll play a slow team, but presumably in the second round, you're playing either Oklahoma city or the Clippers. Yeah. I think it'll Uh, be the Clippers. I think, uh, I think the Clippers at this point are pretty much locked into the four. Uh, but the, you know, Doc Rivers in the playoffs, they they don't play fast. That's they true. play very okay. slow. So yeah, I think it does carry over. I think it it you know readies them for quite a bit. So you might say that they might be lucky in playing all oh, three teams. Oh, oh, good thing uh, you said that pace. now and not before last night's game because they, <laughs> they they got word of that. Uh, they would have they would have crushed this Jazz team because yeah. they don't like those slights. No, they do not. Uh, I, I mean, and what more can you say about the Warriors too? Like uh, how they're unreal. Why? No team can kill them, right? Like Steph Curry it's caught impossible. A, Steph Curry caught a rebound at the free throw line, took a step back behind the three point line, fired up an off balance three, and it goes in. And it's just regular stuff he does. Yeah, he is really like I don't want to overstate. I don't want to get caught up in hyperbole. I don't want to get caught up in the moment or anything. But he is really one of the most incredible players I've ever seen live. Like it just Absolutely. everything about it. I mean, he even had fans breaking railings before the game. <laughs> 
They yeah. almost fell on him and maybe ended the historic season that was going on. <laughs> that would have been a story. That line. would have been really an incredible storyline <laughs> in a bad way. But it's like he is worth this this hysteria that is following them to every arena. And you can say, oh yeah, it's just bandwagon fans. Whatever they're drawing, like teams have never drawn before in in a any pregame situation that we've never seen before. No, I mean, the lower bowl is like half full Yeah, when Steph Curry is warming up 90 minutes before a game. I yeah. mean, that, that is absolutely incredible. And I also think it's interesting, like, tickets for that Warriors game last night in Salt Lake City were significantly more expensive than Kobe Bryant's last game. That tells you a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, the Lakers being where they are, fine, but... Sure. There are a lot of Laker f- fans in Salt Lake City. We've seen those games be incredibly expensive, yeah. you know, since I can remember. And, I mean, and the Warriors are outpacing that. That's the last time you will ever get to see Kobe. This isn't like, right. oh, we'll just catch him next year. Like, that's it. No. That's right, the exactly. last chance you get to see him see him live. It's it's unreal. We'll talk about that game a little bit later, too. Sure. Because, um, that was also a game. <laughs> that was that was a very different That was sort incredible of in a very different way. <laughs> yeah. Th- that will be proudly featured in the LOL Lakers section right. coming up in, in the second hour of the show. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just, so earlier today I recorded a, a KSL court report podcast with Angie treasure mm-hmm. uh, and it was almost kind of like a therapy session sure. of just like, how do you deal with, with losing a game like that? You gotta decompress. Sure. Uh, the biggest thing that we kind of came up with is, with is like, how do you, how do you wrap your mind around 13 for 29 from the free throw line? Like, do you, I know a lot of fans are just like, look, you're professionals. You got to go out there sure. and sink your free throws. And if not, you better shoot a thousand after the game or else, you know, why are we paying you millions of dollars? Right. I don't know if that's the right approach. You know, like I, I looked at the stats earlier today and said, look, if the Jazz shot 75% in all of their games, how many games, how many more games would they have won? Mm-hmm. How many more games would they have lost? And I, and I thought, you know, they would have won two more games and they would have lost two more games. In other words, the record stays pretty much the same. Yeah. There might be a loss that goes to overtime now. Sure. So all of a sudden, you know, it, it's pretty much a wash is what I'm saying. Do you want to spend more practice time on free throws than you already do? We need to dispel the, the, the assumption that players don't work on their free throws. Right. No, players shoot hundreds of free throws all the time. Like, they work on their free throws. If you think they don't work on their free throws because they're bad free throw shooters... You don't understand the psychological aspect and the amount of work that goes into being an NBA player. And I have a slight, uh, a slight idea of, of what it is because of covering the league. And you see players working on it. You right. see the work that goes into it. But you only see a small fraction of it because they obviously don't let you just watch whatever you want all the time. Like yeah. They don't let you in practice all the time. Um, so you get to see a little bit of how much they work. These guys work on it. It's really hard when you're playing that way, when you're playing that physical basketball, when you're playing that you know, that exhausted and four and five nights and all that stuff. And plus the pressure of it all, the eyes on everything. Like it's just a different, it's different than going and shooting free throws in your driveway. You may think, Hey, I'll hit 10 out of 10 in my driveway. That's fantastic. That's completely irrelevant to the rest of the basketball world, by the way. Like this just, (laughs) it's not the case. Like when people say, Oh, when I play pickup basketball, great. You could be playing some of the best pickup basketball in the world. It's not the same as the NBA. Like none of that, none of this basketball is comparable to your basketball. And that's not a slight on you. That's just, this is the elite. And so they're what, a bottom 10 team? They're 23rd in free throw They were 19th percentage. before last night, by the way. Okay, so they're top 20 <laughs> team. They've fallen to 23rd. Like, there's, a big, there's a big jump just yeah. because of last night. Uh, but, they're, I mean, it's all kind of jumbled. Like, they're not that far off from, from moving up. Like, I think that, yeah, it would have been nice. I don't know how you explain the free throws. I don't know if it was a lack of focus. I don't know if it was fatigue. 
I don't know if it was just you know, there was a fly buzzing around the free throw line that bothered them at some point. Like you don't you don't know what it is. I don't think you can rationalize it when it starts becoming an every game problem. Then I think you start wondering what's wrong here. Right. Such a freak occurrence, like thirteen of twenty nine, and it's not like they were you know they hacked Ruby or Rudy Gobert a little bit. Yeah, um, I think only once though. Right. Which uh, someone came up with uh, Hakre Blue. <laughs> which I thought was just phenomenal wordplay that I'm actually angry I didn't come up with in the first place. So it's your beat. Yeah. Um, so that was great. But, uh, you know, they, they hacked him a little bit, but it's not like you had a Dwight Howard or a DeAndre right. Jordan out there missing free throw. Like, they just missed. Yeah, and, it, and you know, it's not – that didn't happen in the game, their first game against right. the Warriors. And that's not a satisfying answer, right, that either. Like, yeah. they just missed. Well, why did they miss? I don't know. It just happens sometimes. There's nothing you can do as a coach. There's nothing right. like as, – as an individual player, it's not like – you just tell yourself to make them and that works. Right. You know, even like I look at the example of Andres Biedrinch and he, just a, because he was a jazz man and probably the worst free throw shooter I can remember. Sure. In that was, yeah. He was really bad. But when he was a good player, he shot 62% from the line. And in the last four years of his career, he shot less than 25% from the line. Like there's mm-hmm. this, maybe this, there's this idea that if you focus on it or practice too much, all of a sudden you're thinking about it too much and maybe your your percentage goes down actually. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean I think that's part of it. Like some of it is the muscle memory, you know, empty your mind, just shoot a basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when you do start thinking about it, you know, it can go haywire. Completely agreed. All right. Well let's go ahead and take a break. On the other side, we're gonna be talking more about uh the jazz and in particular, the uh, sh- kind of the Shelvin Mack backlash, whether or not the Jazz could have improved at that spot at the trade deadline, where they are in the rebuilding progression process. That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. This is good stuff. You know, we've really upped our music game recently. This is just a great song. I have... I have Absolutely, you know, no no shame in this at all. Just blasted this in my car and sung along. Like, Absolutely. At least tens of times. Yeah. Double digit times. That and uh what about no scrubs? Win on that? I, I like I like no scrubs. Okay. I listen to the Macy Gray I try a lot. Oh. That's a good oh, one. That's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. If you can if you can get her voice down sure. in the car, it sounds you know, it's it's a, it's a good one. That's a, a good that's sing-along. a very good one, yeah. Uh you know, maybe not appropriate for the air, but red light district. Okay, that's one. That's a that's just a great one. Yeah, that's a great just relaxing song. Uh, agree about prostitution. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you can't choose what the songs are about. Sure, you know? that's like, true. I, you, know, I don't know. I've I've never been about the lyrics of songs. It's the melody that that, that gets you. Right, exactly. The Rockets are, as previously discussed, kind of a little bit of a mess. They are now down eight to the Chicago Bulls. I'm 45 s- seconds left. It's Rockets ball, but it doesn't look like they're going to win. Uh, you know, I don't imagine how they're going to score eight points. And now it's a Bulls ball. So, yeah, that's, the Bulls are going to win this game. Nope. Maybe oh, Doug McDermott just got just got called for a foul. Regardless, for, up eight. You he, figure it's probably good. He threw his tookus at, uh, at Pat Beverly. Diana Allen tweets me, do not jinx this, Andy. So, <laughs> uh, oops. <laughs> As I say it, they literally pick up an offensive foul. <laughs> we won't say anything more about this game uh, until it's done, I think is, is probably the new good approach. 
<laughs> oh, no, we got another foul. What have you done? Oh, man. All right. Well, regardless, we've got some, a couple other tweets, too. One from Clint Peterson. I think 100% the Jazz prefers Golden State. We just match up well. Jazz as good as anyone matchup-wise with uh, Golden State in the NBA. Do you agree with that? I mean, I would say the Spurs, but uh, right. are th- is there another In terms of potential matchup? matchups? Um, no, be- because I know, I know that even though Portland beat them earlier this year, I don't think Portland matches up well. Um, I actually think it's a disaster for them. Uh, the Thunder actually don't match up that as well as I would like them to. Um, the Clippers certainly don't. The Mavericks would be a disaster. Yeah, like I think I think the Jazz are at least in the conversation for one of the best matchups against them. Yeah, and which is kind of remarkable for it's an a cool AC, contrast right? of styles too. Yeah, like, no, that's you're a, absolutely right. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting too because you know we've we've talked about the pace and space trend in the NBA. Sure. And I wouldn't say that the Jazz are going the other direction, but they're kind of doing this new hybrid thing where they go super slow on pace, but still manage to shoot a lot of three-pointers on mm-hmm. the offensive end. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, figure out a way to do that, despite maybe not having the best shooting talent or the best guard talent out there. They're kind of going inside out and, and having a pretty efficient offense and defense. And the key for them is they just they just cut down the court so much with the length. And mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of uh, Pacers-esque. From the when the Pacers were good, with they just had guys with enormous wingspans throughout the entire lineup. Like no matter how tall they were, all those guys, you know, two three inches of wingspan than what you would expect, and and the the Jazz just are able to cut down the court in a similar way, except their big man is mobile and their right. big man can play on the perimeter in terms of defensively covering. And he's done. I I don't understand. Like maybe some of this is just Steph Curry just deciding not to attack. But I don't understand how Rudy is so good at kind of sticking with Steph and, and forcing him out of you know good shots on the on the perimeter. It, it's been impressive. I, I think Rudy is one of the only people in the NBA, maybe the only big in the NBA that legitimately kind of scares him. Yeah. Uh just and the, you get why, right? Like yeah. he has a very different set of dimensions right. than he's, he's, NBA he's, player. A, he's a Tim Burton character. Like that's all he, <laughs> right. like, that's what he looks like. And so <laughs> You understand Steph's kind of, <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't say fear, but like No, but he's aware. Reluctance. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. he's aware that hey, I may not get the shot off. Right. I mean, you brought up the stat last night when we were talking that Rudy Gobert was the first one to block one of Steph Curry's threes in, yeah, what, like a, three, um, four months? Yeah, it was like, well, I think it was almost a year. Wow. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I may be confused that. It, it's at least three or four months, somewhere from three to four months to a year. There you go. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> it's some significant amount of time. That, but that's like that's crazy. That one hit with as many as he shoots, he shoots eleven a game. Yeah, that he's that he's not getting any blocked. Absolutely. And two, that Rudy would be the guy to do it. And it's not like anyone is is unaware that Steph Curry is shooting. Right? They're like, pretty aware that he's he's, he's going a lot to take of a shot. Contested threes, right? That, yeah, that's I, absurd. I, you watched it last night. I watched his pregame routine. It's such a joke. Like it's just an absolute joke. It's not even the distance. It's just the shots he throws up there. Right. And I, I'm just not buying that it's a real thing. I think it was fake. What's a real thing? I think it was a fake routine. I think it was CGI or the <laughs> the ball is controlled with a remote control or something. I just think it's interesting, like, the different ways he finds to get up shots that guys don't. You know, yeah. like, he, he in his warm-up, he's trying so many different things in terms of he's, he's preloading as he catches and shoots so he, yeah. can, he can get it off quickly. quickly. He can, he's doing it, you know, flat-footed. He's taking shots at going up and then coming down he's he's you know doing the 40 foot shots you know it's all these different things he's doing that underhand scoop from from the baseline from five feet away to get it over the shot blocker right uh, 
I, I think you see most NBA player warm-ups aren't that diverse in kind of the different shots they take. They yeah. take them from different locations, certainly, but not different kinds of shots. And right. Steph is, I think, unique in that sort of way. Yeah, Br- Bruce Fraser's the, one of their assistant coaches. Uh, he's worked with Steph a lot since Steve Kerr took over. Uh, he's Steve Kerr's actually best friend. Um, he has kind of designed these different ways of, of finding new ways to test Steph's shooting limits. And it's... It, like there's some videos online of of work it, he and and I think the other assistant's name is Nick Uren, uh, how they they basically like two on one him and they throw the ball to a spot on the floor and as soon as he gets the ball he has to shoot it right away he has to shoot it from that spot and they're all over him and he, and he hits a pretty significant amount of those yeah. shots like it's the way he's tested and and redefined his shooting technique is unbelievable is that I mean is that just Steph is that how much of that is is training and coaching. I mean, certainly some of it is is talent that has been cultivated for you know whatever however right. old he is twenty seven years or whatever. Um, but yeah, like I think I think coaching is is certainly a huge part of it of finding ways to unlock further the the skill set that a special player has because he's he has amazingly he's improved his shot. Yeah, right. That, like that's, that's the crazy thing. Yeah. You know, there's a difference between being who Steph Curry was in college, which right. is still an incredible shooter. But we've seen the kind of the likes of them before, whether that be. Buddy Heald now, or sure. Jimmer Fredette, or whatever the case might be. Uh, I don't know that we've seen someone then improve on that through, right. the, through the amount Steph with Curry in, has, with which increased, you know, makes sense. Increased volume, increased attention on defense, like all that stuff. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Usually, you know, NBA defenses kind of figure out a way to make you lose some of that. And right. Steph's, for whatever reason, Steph's skill is, he's is just, unstoppable. He's just gaining. He's gaining yeah. ability like a video game. It's, a, it's, it's unfair. It's, it's really unfair. You have a good Shelvin Mac pun. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like we're getting too much Maclash. Okay. Uh, whenever he has a, a subpar game. Oh no. <laughs> now, where is where is the Maclash coming from? I mean, so last night, just for some context, he shot five for seventeen from the floor, only twelve points, three turnovers, was a minus eight, but did have nine assists and six rebounds. Sure. So, I thought he had a bad finish. I thought he had a pretty good most of the game. Yeah, I, and he had I, a bad finish. Agreed. Um, certainly, you would have hoped that one of the free throws goes in, right. and, and the the overtime I think was a little bit of a mess. Yes. Uh, but then we start seeing Maclash, and we start seeing this, uh, this. It seems like every time he has a bad game, it's well, why didn't the front office upgrade the point guard position? Well, one, they did. Yeah. And two, I just don't think the options were out there. We like we discussed the Ty Lawson thing. That's not. Like it's technically an upgrade, but that wouldn't have helped. How's he been doing since he he's been to the Pacers? I haven't looked. He at got stats. hurt at one point. I think he turned his ankle, and he's been mostly not. Okay. Good. I think he had one revenge game against maybe Denver. I know he played last night, but I I haven't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's doing he's anything, done overall. anything special. Um, and then there's the idea of like, well, Drew Holiday could have been had, and it's like, well, Drew Holiday could have been had for a hefty price. Like that's right. So would you rather? I think I think it's also uh an impatience with, and we've talked about this before with rebuilding. Or like you know, building now and having patience, or going out and kind of going for it. About Drew Holiday, I mean, I I think that the Pelicans made no moves at the deadline is really indicative of the kinds of prices that they were asking. Right. I mean, if they were going to sell things off, that they were going to get a you know a, a dollar on the dollar, which is kind of stupid, <laughs> given where they are. Right? Del Demps, not a very good GM. We found out over the years. No, not at all. By the way. This game. <laughs> Somehow the Rockets are down three. What have you done? <laughs> if I, if I looked I away for twenty this. seconds, and now this is a game. <sighs> anyway, uh, yeah. So Dell Demps, 
less so with Drew Holiday because he's under contract for another year, like, and is a young player who you know may stay with them afterwards. Even Ryan Anderson is a free agent. Just get something. And like, you're not gonna you're not gonna give him twenty to twenty five million dollars a year. No, and he's not gonna take it. Right. <laughs> That's kind of the more important part. Is you might give him that, but he might he's not gonna take it. Right. So I don't get why. They didn't make any moves. Well, and really, it's because they were asking for too much in these sort of trade negotiations. Uh, I mean, I know that they were asking for Rodney Hood plus multiple draft picks. That's insane. And that's just, yeah, that's... Like, if you can guarantee me a full bill of health for Drew Holiday and that he's not going to have injury problems moving forward, you maybe consider that. But even then, like, that's a huge asking price. Yeah, I mean, he's a good player, but... Yeah, he's he's very good, but he's not... He's not young prospect in two picks good. No. Two-point game. <laughs> this is unbelievable. What have you done? I mean, yikes. Anyway. And now now we're looking for Justin Holiday, who some people are probably thinking, who? That's, That's Drew Holiday's brother. Yes. To tie this one up, or to, to tie a bow on this, this victory for the Bulls. I mean, he has to make two free throws here. Free throws have not been going the Jazz way been, le- recently. No. There have been some fairly ridiculous threes to get it this close, by the way. James Harden <laughs> just hit one from like 30 feet. Patrick sure. Beverly hit a step back. I mean, yeah. why not? <sighs> but I don't, I don't like, the, I, I just find it, I don't like hand-wringing over stuff that should have, would have, could have happened. I know that that's part of that's fandom and part of that's media, and, and that's just the conversation we, we end up having a lot. Right. But I think the Shelvin Mack acquisition has been, more than helpful. All right. Rockets down three. Five seconds left. Uh, Ariza's taking a three to tie it and misses. It looks wow. like the Bulls will win the game. Wow. Three, 100. Nail biter. Wow. I can't believe that that game, which, again, Bulls were up by eight with 40 seconds left, and somehow it went down to the last I shot. I hate both these teams this year. <laughs> I just hate both of them. Uh, For anyway, various reasons. Sorry. I mean, I was just distracted by <laughs> What just happened? Uh, from your like on your point on on fans and and that sort of thing. Like I I understand if if there was a trade that was made that you wished you would have been a part of. I I get that absolutely. You know like I I think a good example was a Jared Dudley deal from this summer. Yes, where he you know was available for a pretty cheap price and and went to the Wizards. And I think some Jazz fans said and and heck I'm one of them said you know if the Wizards could get him for a second round pick, maybe that's something that the Jazz should have explored. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but when you're guessing at, at how much teams are asking for players, and, and quite frankly, most of those conversations aren't even really happening. Right. Uh, it's so hard. Yeah. You know, th- there's no point guard out there that the Jazz, that was moved in one of these trade deadline deals that the Jazz should have acquired but didn't. Maybe maybe Brian Roberts. If you want Brian Roberts, <laughs> but man, I'm, I'm, I'm out Shelvin on Mac Brian is, Roberts. Shelvin Mack is so much better. Actually, quick note on Jazz point guards. I, I thought it was really interesting. Trey Burke posted on Instagram a picture at like 1.30 last night of him at the Zions Bank Basketball Center, the practice facility for the Jazz, still, despite not playing in that game, still mm. getting shots up and, and working on his game. I, I mean, I've been negative towards Trey Burke in my analysis, and I think sure. that's fair based on the data, but props to the guy for He's a worker. showing up yeah, and, and trying hard. Anyway, let's go ahead and take a break. On the other side, we've got injury updates on the Utah Jazz. Alec Burks, Derek Favors, and Dante Exum, all new news from them today. That's next on the Sausage Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, baby.
You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. One consequence of me not knowing what song is going to play is I don't know when the show actually starts and when we're in commercial and when we're not. I mean, I, I like what we're doing here. Yeah. Is this is this to celebrate the moving of Mix 105.1? Sure, we'll go with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show. Uh, Nate Duncan's going to join us on the show, by Surprise the way. Surprise guest. Surprise guest. This is what happens when you book a guest and you forget that you booked the guest. Sure. And then he DMs you uh, and is like, hey. Hey, we're still doing <laughs> Am I going to talk on the radio? And the answer is yes. So hopefully he's not listening now and doesn't know that he's a he, he doesn't know secret what a, surprise guest. Right, he doesn't that know what a sham, of a, right. a sham of professionalism we have. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Actually, now he, all of our listeners know. Actually, so he that's knows a lot us. Better. He knows us, so he absolutely knows what that's that is. True. That's that's true. Uh, first of all, Bryce Cotton news. Bryce Cotton yeah. signed a ten day contract with the, the Memphis Grizzlies. Their twenty eighth player this season. Wow, twenty eight. I mean, I I hope he can somehow find minutes in that point guard rotation. Sure, of Lance Stevenson. <laughs> Lance Stevenson again. I th- like PJ Harrison's playing some sure. point guard minutes for them. I think yeah. like it's it's not great. No, it's very bad. Uh, and then, as promised, we'll talk about the injuries uh, of the Utah Jazz. Uh, kind of three different pieces of news today on the the players that are out for the Jazz. First of all, Derek Favors went out of last night's game in the middle of the third quarter after landing on his knee pretty awkwardly yeah, on that Andrew bad. Bogut flagrant or non flagrant foul. It was reviewed for flagrant. Did you think it was a flagrant? You know. I watched it again, and at first when I saw it, I thought he was hit in the face. Right. And that's pretty clearly just flagrant contact. Since then, I've seen, I think, Favors got kind of his hand in the way of his face, if you will. And so kind of prevented that contact from happening. It didn't look, it looked like he was making a play on the ball to me, but Bogut's crafty, so he could have been doing both. Yeah, and and maybe he was. I, I. uh, you know, watching it just on the jumbotron, I thought it was flagrant, and then having seen it since, I, yeah. I think probably the refs made the right call. Yeah. Um, regardless, he did land awkwardly, no matter what. And he and, he really could not move. And yeah, and I thought it was interesting how he worded it after the game. He was like, you know, at that point, I thought I was going to be hurting my team if I kept playing. Right. And and that's not a decision that you get to make if it's like a torn ACL or anything like that. Right. Uh, so that's you know that's a good sign, and obviously that he's questionable for. Tomorrow night's game against the Memphis, uh, sorry, Minnesota Timberwolves is uh, a good sign as well. It's Absolutely. Just right knee soreness is what they're calling the, in- the injury, and that's you know a good sign. Uh, Alec Burks, there were some rumors, I guess rumblings, so to speak, from Jody Genesey said that he was hearing some rumblings uh, that Alec Burks might return for tomorrow. He's, however, been officially declared out okay. for tomorrow night's game. Uh, so the return of AB is, is not yet here i i still get the feeling that he's going to be returning at some point this season though so really I, even with six games left seven games or it will be six games left after friday yeah i, I mean on, i think it makes sense like him on one leg is probably better than joe ingles maybe yeah at, at, at least, least on, definitely better than chris johnson that's for sure so i i think you know you look at the seven games left but then also uh the four playoff games after that sure. i think you've got some opportunity there uh 
I think you've got actually some games in there where you can probably warm him up a little bit. You know, you've got the Phoenix game, Phoenix, for example, right. this yeah, weekend. Would be huge. Would be great to have him back and, and start to warm him up for that. And, uh, as well as the last game against the Lakers, you might have an opportunity to, yeah. even if it's only then, and honestly, have him against, play a game before the playoffs. Against Dallas, like, there's not a lot of stoppers outside of Wes Matthews on the team. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a pretty, it's a relatively impact-free you know, test to go against you know, JJ Bray and Ray Felton and all those guys. And they've just been testing that leg out and his balance and his uh, kind of energy levels for long enough that I think yeah. we're at that point where I think it's fair to expect him to come back. Yeah. Soonish. I mean, yeah. what do I know? But he, right. like he watching, watching him in the drills that he does pregame, he looks good. You know, he, he, he doesn't look like himself completely, but he looks, he, you see significant improvement in the way he's moving. And then Dante Exum um, had a, a public appearance today in, I, I don't remember where it was, but regardless, uh, he said that he's been cleared for non-contact, any non-contact movement, which is great. Um, so shooting, dribbling, whatever, all that. And then will be soon cleared for non-predictive contact, which, you know, if you have to respond to different defenders and right. whatever else. So that's, that's a good sign for his uh, recovery from injury as well. And, you know, it's, Maybe he can play in summer league, Olympics, those sort of things. Yeah, I mean, I've had this, I've had this conversation with a couple of people wondering, do you think they would play him in summer league and the Olympics, or would they choose one? How cautious would they be with, with allowing him to, to come back to some live action? I think that depends on where he is physically, quite frankly. Sure. Like, I, I think if, if he's healthy and he's been playing uh, enough games, kind of not in front of people's eyes, but, you know, the Jazz are playing five-on-five five games at Zions Bank all the time at the, right. the practice facility. So if that's working out great and they find out he's balanced and all that, I think they'll let him do both. I think it makes sense to give him as much game action as possible Absolutely. for his development and for his recovery from, from yeah, injury. I mean, you have to get that mental aspect of it, of, of being okay with the contact, being okay with exploding off that leg, You know, just finding that comfort, whether it's in an NBA game or it's in an international game or a summer league game just getting those reps in definitely helps. Yeah, I mean, there, we've seen so many times the ACL injury is, is kind of a mental thing. Absolutely. Recovering from it, kind of making the same steps that yeah. you used to. Dante didn't usually make those steps when he was healthy, so it'll be nice to see maybe if he can try those things as he recovers. For sure. Anyway, we got to go ahead and take a break. On the other side, we've got Nate Duncan joining us of the Nate Duncan Podcast. That's next on the Salt City Oop Show, ESPN, uh, ESPN 700. <laughs> You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. Uh, that's the official theme song of the NBA on TNT's coverage for life. <laughs> yes. Hey, this song, this song is a banger. It's a great song. It's a fantastic song that gets me pumped every time. I get, I think it only gets me pumped like the first eight times per hour. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I'd go ten. Okay. I'd go. I definitely go ten. Well, let's bring in Nate Duncan to talk about anything else besides that. <laughs> <laughs> Nate Duncan, host of the Dunk Down NBA podcast. Uh, Nate, how are you? Good, on, guys. Hey, uh, thanks for joining us. So, you watched uh, at least most of that Jazz Golden State game last night. What What were some of your takeaways? Well, I thought that the Jazz's defensive discipline was outstanding. The way that they were able to switch, 
They communicated incredibly well nearly every time, and they made the Warriors make a lot of tough shots, and they made Harrison Barnes, who was one out of eight on threes, shoot perhaps more than Steph Curry or Clay Thompson, at least when they're open. And if you go back and look at all of Steph's shots, and he made 11, but every single one of those shots were basically hero ball, incredible shots that just thought nobody else in the league would be making. I think the Jazz should be really proud of their performance, and you have to imagine if Derek Sabres hadn't gone down with that injury that they would have been able to win. Nate, what do you make of a, a game like that where a team who isn't a great free-throw shooting team, but they're not a horrendous free-throw shooting team, goes 13 of 29? You know, We've had people asking, you know, what, how does this happen? You're an NBA player. You should be practicing free-throws and all this stuff. But sometimes this stuff just happens. Do you rationalize in any other way than it was just randomness? I think that that would be the main part of it. But I think most NBA players, if you ask them, do free throws feel different at the end of the game? Yeah, they probably are. I mean, you, you and I, we play even in league games, and I bet you, you know, if you have free throws to break as high at the end, you know, your heart's being a little faster. So sure. there is an argument that it's different. However, in the long term, statistics haven't really shown that there are guys that, you know, on the team level, that free throw shooting ends up being worse on the end of games. And I think, but I think, as I recall correctly, there is a little bit of evidence that if you are not a great free throw shooter, that you might get a little worse uh, in pressure situations. But they were missing their free throws throughout the game. It wasn't just at the end. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, four, four or fourteen in the fourth quarter, but that doesn't mean great free throw shooting for the first three right. quarters either. Um, yeah, kind of looking at this this overall playoff race a little bit. Obviously, the the bottom of the Western Conference is is so close. Uh, how do you see it kind of shaking out? I mean, do the Grizzlies are they? Do you think they're able to stay at the five seed, or do you think Portland moves up? Uh, Rockets just lost tonight. On, what do you what do you make of? how this playoff series will actually shape up. Well, the Grizz, let's start with them. They have 41 wins right now, but they really only had two games the rest of the way when you consider how injured they are that they might have been favored to win, and then they lost one of those last night against Denver. And so you might say maybe they could be favored against Chicago, maybe, but the fact that Chicago won tonight, that probably means that Chicago will still be playing in that game against the Grizzlies instead of kind of shutting down a lot of their injured guys. So you would have to say, if you had to guess how many games the Grizzlies are going to win with this current cast of characters and their schedule, you know, maybe two, maybe one, maybe zero, you know, probably on average, I think they maybe win one more game the rest of the year. So that opens things up for Portland, who I think would probably be the favorite now to get the fifth seed. And even the Jazz as well, if they'd been able to win last night, then maybe they even could have been a favorite to move into the sixth seed. Hmm. Uh, and I believe the Jazz have the tiebreaker over uh, both uh, Houston and Memphis. Is that right? It's definitely over Memphis. Houston uh, looks like they will probably lose that. They're tied on head-to-head, but uh, conference record is being the next one, and the Rockets lead that by, I believe, it's three or four games. So it looks like the Rockets will probably end up with that tiebreaker. Yeah, but they the Rockets losing tonight, a game that they were theoretically supposed to win, also now hurts them. So you'd have to say, and depending on what happens with Memphis, I think Portland is probably looking good for five, and then 
you know, Memphis, if they can scratch another couple games out, maybe they could be six. But the Jazz have probably as good a chance as just about anybody as, as getting to that sixth seed, assuming that Memphis continues to play the way they have of late. Nate, what do you think is the best possible matchup for the Jazz in a playoff series? And I don't even mean like, oh, they could win this series or they could win a game. I think there's value. Like we always put in, we always say, oh, you want to get that playoff experience. But I, you also add to that that you get the experience of closing out a playoff race and, and doing well in that. And that adds on top of it. Is it better? Would it be better to lose in four games to the Warriors or the Spurs? Does it matter? Can you can you find you know moral victories in a in a four game sweep against any team and, and more so in one than the other? I don't think so. I, I think you just want to play whoever you have the best shot against, and that would probably be Oklahoma City. Getting to the fifth seed might be unrealistic for Utah, and Oklahoma City is not a great matchup for the Jazz, especially because they don't really have anyone to guard Kevin Durant, who always just kills them. Right, uh, but. You know, I mean, actually, the Jazz have probably played better this year against the Warriors than they have against those other two teams. And I think, you know, with the Warriors probably going to win the championship, I mean, if you want to really split hairs and say, would you rather lose for them in four, I think they can actually kind of play well enough to feel good about themselves against the Warriors, maybe steal a game at home and lose in five. Uh, whereas the Spurs, you know, kind of losing to them and just, robotic, methodical fashion, you know, can, can in some ways be more demoralizing than the Warriors when the Warriors are just hitting like these unbelievable shots to be you. Nate, what, what do you make of, of the Jazz's Shelvin Mack acquisition and, and how he's been used and, and how he's played since the Jazz uh, acquired him? I mean, there's been some talk that maybe the Jazz are, are using too much of him in, in their offensive sets. Um, but on the other hand, it it's, seems clear that he's probably the best playmaker that the Jazz have. I mean, what what do you kind of make of the whole the the pros and the cons there? Well, there's a lot of value to be had, especially when you consider the talent that the Jazz have at the other four positions in the starting lineup. But just having a guy who's not really going to screw up, and as long as Sheldon Mack can continue in that role, shoot some open threes run a pick-and-roll to get things started, even if he's not necessarily making the pass that immediately leads to the assist. Playing good defense, you know, uh, his ability to switch as well. He's a little bit stronger, a little bit bigger than guys like Neto and Burke. Uh, I think all that, he's just a, a steady player. Now, when he has to create more, as against the Warriors, the Warriors were able to switch a lot, were able to force them to play late clock. They forced Mac to take 17 shots. It's not his comfort zone. It's not his comfort zone to try to Great off the dribble in the last second against Draymond Green, and he got a shot blocked in that situation, then you're, you're pushing him too far. I mean, I think if you really have aspirations to break into the top half of the Western Conference, you need an upgrade there. But I think that they really have, after some initial rocky moments, started to play better with him and getting him, or I think it was a 2018 second-round pick, and then also the fact that he's under contract next year, non-guaranteed, but they'll probably would want to keep him at $2.4 million. He could make a nice backup who can start for you in a pinch when you don't. I think he is helpful in that you don't know what you're going to get out of Dante Exum next year. You hope he's going to be able to start, but he's missed an entire year. He's still pretty young. So you can go in with Mac and then have Exum hope he's going to start, but then Mac is your insurance policy if he, if he doesn't. And I would, I would also add to that that you probably feel like with this Mac acquisition, and, and the way the Jazz have played when healthy anyway, they're very comfortable going to that triple-wing lineup in the first place. So it, it 
you just have so many more options now that you have you know more of a steady hand in, in Mac at the point guard position where maybe he's not giving you a ton, but he's not taking away a ton, but you still have the option to go to that big, weird lineup that so many teams kind of struggle with. What's the story with Alex Brooks? Is he going to come back this year? I haven't, I haven't heard anything we, about we that. We hope so. Yeah, <laughs> no, we actually just talked about that last segment. And so uh, Jody Genesee of the Deseret News reported today that he was hearing rumblings that Alec may return for tomorrow's game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. He has, however, been officially been announced as out for tomorrow. Uh, so I, I keep hearing and I, I keep thinking that he's going to be returning some point in the next two weeks just based on his recovery, what we've seen at the end of practices and kind of pregame warm-ups. Um, it seems like they're testing out his viability in five-on-five five and whether or not he's staying balanced and is, is moving the way they want. Uh, I just got to imagine that it's, it's going to be worthwhile for them to bring him back sometime in the next two weeks for a, a presumed playoff series. Yeah, you trust the Jazz. I actually talked about this with David Lockett on my podcast a couple of weeks ago or a couple of days ago about how they do a really good job of making sure the guys really are ready to go when they, they come back. So I, I think, you know, certainly they're to be trusted on that respect. Yeah, I mean, it does make a big difference whether or not you can play those triple wing lineups that have been pretty effective early in the season. So I'm sorry, I hijacked your show here. What else do you guys have for me? <laughs> I, I actually don't have, have any questions. I, I was going to let you go quickly, but do you I, have anything? Uh, yeah, I have one more question. Um, you're a much more okay. uh, measured and reasonable person than I am, and, and I just want to know, like, are you sick, of, are you sick of this, this Houston Rockets team as much as I am? I just can't stand them anymore. Yeah, I, I think so, although <laughs> this idea – that they are underachieving. There is some thought to that being true because you see that at times they really can defend, and that's where the big drop-off has been. They're actually ranked higher in offense this year than they did last year. Defense is where they've fallen off. But on the other hand, you look at the team and you say, look, like the individual guys just aren't playing well enough anymore, right? Like Dwight Howard just is not the force that he is, right? Like, guys go to the rim and they score on him the way they didn't even last year, you know, when he was really still pretty good defensively even in the playoffs. You know, he, he so Howard has become almost an offensive liability at this point uh, because he doesn't post up anymore and he doesn't have the explosion to really go and get alley-oops in the pick-and-roll the way he did either. I mean, he really has not been scoring hardly at all. And then guys like Corey Brewer have had disappointing seasons. If you really look at the talent around this Rockets team around James Harden, and then they have some young guys who have talent but maybe aren't quite ready to really execute at an NBA level, you know, maybe it really does kind of make more sense where they are. And just because they acquired Ty Lawson, because they got to the West Finals last year and perhaps, you know, some might say lucky fashion, they didn't work that good last year during the regular season. Maybe the problem is more with what our expectations were for them at the start of the season uh, granted, they are a little schizophrenic, so I understand where you're coming from. But I think you know it's kind of a combination of those two things for me. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, that 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 answer was yes. He is more re- more measured and reasonable than I am when it yeah. comes to the Rockets. <laughs> yeah, you were like, "Are you as sick of them?" As are you I sick am? of them? He was like, "Nah, not really. <laughs> I kind of expected this." <laughs> more measured and reasonable. Yeah, that would be a question. I'll have to think about that. Of what team in the NBA I am I am most sick of. Uh, 
we'll have to come up with some metrics for that, I guess. <laughs> we were talking about it like we think there should be some sort of heart or care factor meter that should be the first tiebreaker yeah, that's rather the first than these, tiebreaker. these head-to-head things. You know, like I just I just think that the, if it comes down to a Jazz Rockets tiebreaker, that somehow the Jazz should win just because they want to they want to be in the playoffs, whereas sure. the Rockets maybe haven't shown up in part of those games. Yeah, maybe maybe so, but I think uh, I think the odds are they're both going to make it, so uh, <laughs> and, uh, everything will be fine. All right, well, thanks, Nate. Uh, what do you? Uh, obviously, you've got the the podcast, the writing. Um, tell us where we can find those. Well, just check out my Twitter handle. It's Nate Duncan NBA. I do a lot of live tweeting of games, especially now as the playoffs come in. And then the link to my podcast is in my Twitter bio, Nate Duncan NBA. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Nate Duncan, joining us on the Salt City Hoop Show. Have a good one. I love you guys. He really is just the best. He's like, if you phenomenal. can ask him any question about anything, yeah. he knows. And yeah. I, I hope he comes in town, by the way, if the Jazz do play the Golden State Warriors. That would be great. We'll get, we'll get Nate. We'll get Ethan. Uh, we'll have we'll them Tim take Kawakami, over the show. Like... <laughs> right. We'll have Tim Kawakami come on and tell us how much he hates Utah. I, I thought about inviting him on to the show today. That kind of would have been great. He was kind of blocking everyone who responded to him from Utah today, no uh, matter what they were saying. So okay. I, I, I figured that maybe we'd give it a, a week of a, a waiting period and see, right. see if he can cool off a little little bit are we are we are we ambushing him when he comes on or are we going to actually interview him <laughs> is, this, is this a why are you a jerk or is this like a, hey what do you think uh or maybe both yeah why not both i'll play good cop you play i'll play cop. i'll play irresponsible <laughs> cop you play good cop i kind of okay. sided with him on all that by the way tim kawakami yeah why, why is that because you shouldn't have fans anywhere near that press area and i realized it wasn't covered by a curtain or anything but well, um, it was shortly after. Also, yeah. fans from the state of Utah, and this is from a guy who grew up in Provo and went to the University of Utah. I've lived in Utah my whole life. We have a massive inferiority complex here, mm-hmm. and we can't stand anybody saying anything bad about Utah. We get so offended. Um, and it's often that Utah media or Utah fans just dig for compliments from anybody out of state. Right. I'm the same way, but with nachos. <laughs> I just get offended if people don't like nachos. Is it, are those people? Do those those people exist? people exist, and it's it's really offensive to me. They need to be stopped. Right. All right. Well, I'm I'm a little bit sad because we're we're cutting into our LOL Lakers segment with uh, Nacho Talk. No, I'm <laughs> Nacho <Kim> Kawakami Talk. <laughs> nacho Hour. The terrorists are winning. No, I mean, <laughs> the Utah enemies are winning. I don't know what it is, but regardless, it's LOL Lakers. <laughs> oh man, this was a, a seminal week in LOL Lakers history. Uh, Somehow, a 48-point loss wasn't the most embarrassing thing that happened no, to them. No, right. The Lakers had the worst loss of franchise history, 48 points 48 to the Jazz, lot. who you know, are, are good, but they're not. If it had happened to the Warriors or the Spurs, right. you, would, you would understand that much more. You get it. But no, the Lakers just obscenely did not try on Monday. But and then we're just outplayed beyond that. Turns out there was some internal strife. Maybe that contributed to the 48-point loss. Yeah, maybe they only would have lost by, like, 32. Right, exactly. Respectable 32. (sighs) Okay, so this D'Angelo Russell thing. You're holding a mallet right now. (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) I don't know, man. (laughs) I have a mallet on the table. I don't know why this is here. Maybe John can explain, but there's a mallet on our studio table. So, D'Angelo Russell, you guys have probably all heard this by now, but trying to prank Nick Young by getting him to admit on camera 
that he had been cheating on Iggy Azalea, who is his fiance. Right. Uh, and Young said, "Yeah, of course, I've I've done that. Yeah, she was 19. What a big, not a big deal." Uh, and video got out somehow. Right. Not clear how that happened. This is back in like December too. Right. The video so, is so it's been a while. And was only released on this website, uh, sure. TMZKnockoff.com. Right. Of <laughs> they probably hate that. that that's probably that. a real website though. But uh, <laughs> leaked on this website, and since then the entire Lakers roster has been giving Russell the cold shoulder. Uh, no one sitting with him during meals. Clearly, kind of freezing him out during games, even. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit weird. And then, uh, so there's locker room strife. There's Nick Young marital strife. Sure. Azalea tweeted, "Hey, thanks, DeAngelo. I Russell, liked your for film this, for this film that you created. Uh, thanks for the heads up, bro. Sure. Which I, I thought was nice. And then there's all this like talk. Okay, let, let's finish the story first." Uh, D'Angelo apologized to Nick Young through Adrian Wojnarowski on Yahoo Sports and, and the Vertical. And then Lakers fans booed D'Angelo Russell yesterday sure. as he was introduced. But then hits a game-winning shot last night in overtime and, and all is forgiven. Everything's Because that's how sports works. Guys, don't tell them, guys. That's uh, something chicks do. <laughs> Look, this whole idea that there's a bro code... <laughs> I'm Which out on been, this bro code, man. No, th- that's been like the... Somehow, Nick Young has become the victim in all of this. Which right. is insane. Look, you can. there is an equal amount of anger towards Jordan Clarkson for violating the trust of a friend and a teammate. Which I do think is a problem, even though... Even if what he was doing was a noble attempt. That is a tricky situation to navigate in pro sports. And I think it's a bad thing. I also equally think... That Nick Young potentially cheating on Iggy Azalea is a bad thing. Yeah. Like it's actually you can actually you don't have to pick one. No. You don't have to weigh them. They're both fine. And if your idea is, well, this is bro code or man code or guy code or whatever, and your and your idea is that, well, if you know that your friend is cheating, you don't really have to say anything, I think you just have a group of horrible friends. Yeah. What are you gonna but- do, Tommy? <laughs> you know you can, buddy. It's guy code. Yeah, no. This I mean, whole, I can't argue with Craig Kilborn. That's this whole thing that like you have to defend your friends as they're doing terrible things. No, like, you don't. No, and okay. Point B: this the the Donald Sterling thing last year, right? Sure. Video of Donald Sterling being a racist leaks. Everyone is going after Donald Sterling. Video of Nick Young being released, of Nick Young being a cheater, and right. everyone's going after. D'Angelo Russell. What's like amazing? What's amazing is it would have been better. It would have been more accepted if he had slept with Iggy Azalea than yes. than this entire thing. Absolutely, that would have been way more accepted. We've seen that. Which before. is ins- uh, we've seen a lot. So- he, or you know, quite frankly, more problematically, like if he had done the Jason Kidd and like been in a d- domestic abuse sort of situation would have been more uh, better would have been more right. acceptable in this quote-unquote locker room bro code sort right. of thing the it's an insane thing to get uh, it's it's an insane thing if you're an outsider looking in to get mad at d'angelo russell over it doesn't mean it's okay it doesn't right. mean he, but he hasn't done anything to us why are we mad about it i understand like i think it's a dumb thing i think he was wrong but I'm not offended by it because it didn't affect me. No, and I mean, if you want to look at like more problematic issues, look at what we talked about on LOL Lakers last week. The the Nick Young and Jordan Clarkson 
potential verbally harassing right. a, a woman on, on in the street, right? Like that to me is an actual crime. Whereas I, I don't know, maybe I guess in California's two-party consent system, right. videotaping <laughs> New York Nick Young is 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 incorrect, yeah. is is illegal. But I, it's, it's a weird thing that one of those things is is getting D'Angelo ostracized, but not Nick Young. And, and that's and it is like something for the team to deal with, right? Like our judge jury executioner mentality is not going to solve this problem for the Lakers. It will Nick Young accept him, accept his apology, and will the rest of the Lakers veterans go out there and say, "Okay, you messed up. You can earn our trust back." Like that's the only part of it that really matters for the Lakers. Right. Us saying D'Angelo Russell is a snitch or a rat or whatever is just stupid hyperbole. I think we should probably just outlaw the use of the word snitch. Okay. Like, I would also like to outlaw bro code. Yeah, if we could. Oh, seriously. Okay, so you... It's guy code. Pretend you, <laughs> pretend you Google bro code. I did this earlier today. And the first result is brocode.blogspot.com. Right. You know, good, good SEO there, guys. Sure. So the bro code rules, there are 50 of these rules. 50? How, how do you remember 50 bro code rules? I, it's about like under no circumstances should a bro ever be hit in the genitals for any reason. Sure, I mean, that's just I like a reasonable person. That's rule. just good biology. All things must be forgiven among bros, with the exception being your drunk bro feels up your girlfriend. No, what? I don't no. know about that. I feel that's like not if, true. If I got into some kind of tax hot water because of a bro, I would be pretty upset. Rule forty: Standard bro names include, but are not limited to, bro, dude, man, and anything with bro in it. Like this, bro code is that's gone not too really. Far. That's not really a code. No, if the, if it has fifty rules. Here's what I think: I think that if you have ever, if you have ever you unironically used the words bro code or man code or guy code or whatever, you should stop listening right now. Just pause it. You can resume in a second. Punch yourself as hard as you can in the throat, <laughs> and then go about your day. Even while driving. Even while driving, especially <laughs> while driving. <laughs> as reckless as that may be. And, I, and not just like a love tap, like a legitimate punch in the throat. Uh, it's just, it's obnoxious. Sports is, is so terrible sometimes. Sure. Right? Like, there are only some social contracts, constructs in the world where this sort of thing happens. And it's in these, like, insular little worlds, like the world of sports, where, like... Weird, weird, weird things become acceptable. Right. I just uh, why here's how you know be that way. Here's how you know it's bad. Matt Barnes has sided with you. Yeah. That's that's how bad okay, you know it is. Okay, let's transition to that. So today on Matt Barnes's Instagram, where which he's is releasing always all an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> he released this meme of uh, uh, what is it? The guy code. Uh, Derek Fisher doesn't know what the guy code is. Right. It was like Derek Fisher be like, "What is guy code?" or something like that. I mean, like, forgive me if I'm out of line here, but alleged domestic abuser, Matt Barnes, probably doesn't need to weigh in on other people's relationships. No, certainly not. Point eight of, I don't know how many points I've made so far. <laughs> you, but Do you have more points or more guy code rules? <laughs> I have many more guy code rules. <laughs> 50. Uh, th- the idea that like women can't decide in the Derek Fisher Matt Barnes decision, right? Like the right. the woman that they're that Derek Fisher is now dating and Matt Barnes was married to, if I understand this correctly, should probably get some fate in her own future. Sure, <laughs> as should probably Iggy Azalea. Right, like as that's should... the thing. Like, and I think it because it's Iggy Azalea, 
this is why it's become such a deal, like because people have decided they hate Iggy Azalea right. for whatever reason, which is fine. Like, I don't care if you like Iggy Azalea or not. Um, she was in Furious 7, so I'm a fan. Okay. Just for that simple reason. I listened to her music on, on Tuesday. Just okay. To, you know, sure. Why get not? in the mood of things. Yeah. Uh, had this happened to, like, Lil' Kim or Eve, I think people would be much more accepting of what D'Angelo Russell did. That's what I would say. <laughs> if it was no, a more respected right. female rapper, if this had happened to Ciara yeah. or, or Khalees, all of it would have been much more acceptable for D'Angelo Russell. Which is ridiculous. It's absurd. Why is the quality of Iggy Azalea's rap somehow featuring into this? I don't know. We've played the Benny Hill. It's been a, it's a lot of Benny Hill so right now. So long. <laughs> so long. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. Rule 24 says a bro should be allowed to make amends for his actions. So the Lakers have to let D'Angelo Russell make amends. That was a game-winning shot, right? I well, yeah, I guess so. But Nick Young doesn't seem too happy. He's tweeting and deleting all day. He tweeted something about, like, tattletales and McDonald's selling breakfast all day. Yeah, and Burger King selling hot dogs. Oh, I forgot about that yeah. tweet. Like, okay, so he's is presumably naming things that are bad. Like, sure. Like so, breaking the quote unquote bro code is probably bad in his in his paradigm. But then also McDonald's selling breakfast, like that's great. Why are you lumping? Yeah, those why are you against together? options? And and Burger King selling hot dogs, cool. They should like. I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Sure, you don't have to order them. No, go get you a Whopper. No one's hurt by this. Right. everyone's pro McDonald's breakfast. Right after all the chicken fingers commercials we got that were. Slightly disturbing, but still illuminating. It's it's not even logically consistent. No. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Why is it so sad? <laughs> some of these rules are really stupid. I can't say any of them for certain words. Yeah. But some of these are really. Don't ever follow this. Don't ever follow. If you're following a bro code, just just follow a good person. Just if code. you know you're acting like an idiot, own up to it. And honestly, treat bros and bras the same way. Sure. I. <laughs> It's not that complicated, guys. Equality. This guy code. <laughs> well, you, Craig, Craig makes a great point in a very good movie. Old school still holds up. Anyway. All right. Let's take a break. Okay. Just because Benny Hill's been playing for too long. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go around the NBA next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome into the Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. Now we go around the NBA as we do usually and around this time every week. Uh, let's start with the standings because they're rapidly changing each and every week. Uh, Eastern Conference, again, the Cavs still lead, but only by two and a half games. Um, holding LeBron out, maybe hurting them a little bit. It's a little bit of a bold move so, to start resting him despite only being up by two and a half games over the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, last year they didn't have the number one seed. They they were the number Fair two point. seed and, and did quite well against the Hawks. I think they're comfortable uh, playing on the road. I think they're confident that they're the best team in the East. So that's why I don't think it – I think they would – I don't think they would kick it out of bed if they got the number one seed, but I think that they're – they're pretty happy and pretty comfortable no matter where they end up. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, three seed is the Raptor, or sorry, the Atlanta Hawks, uh, six games behind the Toronto Raptors. Then three teams tied with identical 43 and 31 records, just one game behind the Hawks for the fourth, fifth, and sixth spots. That's the Boston Celtics, Miami Heat, Charlotte Hornets. 
Detroit, Indiana, and Chicago uh, have are 13, 14, and 15 games back, respectively. That somehow Chicago might make it. They might make it, and uh, Washington Wizards aren't too far behind, but they look to be completely done. Bradley Beal is mad at the entire team. The entire team is mad at Bradley Beal. Uh, the defense has just been so bad. They've lost some really embarrassing games. Not yeah. good. No, it's it's not, and it's it's crazy. It's one of those things that you think, you know, if, had the Wizards been able to kind of do what people expected of them this season, maybe they sign Kevin Durant, you know, yeah. maybe uh, they start putting things together. You start getting kind of veteran talent that's willing to sign with you on the cheap. You at least felt um, like it was a there was a, a possibility of Durant going there, right? right? Like it doesn't feel like that now. It doesn't mean he won't, but it. You know, before there was like, oh, there's some momentum building up, and then this season just deflated everything. Yeah, no, and if if you're looking to to win, if you're Kevin Durant, then I it's hard to make a case for the Wizards as being one of your top spots to go. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just the argument that they could throw out there is like, hey, we're in the East, and this is your home. But if you're if you're Kevin Durant looking to go East, doesn't Boston make more sense? Yeah, I think Boston makes more sense. You can make a case for like Toronto. You yeah, can, you can make a case for Atlanta. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't have any fans there, but. Sure, but maybe there would be fans. Yeah, Miami is still an attractive place for everybody. And always. Pat Riley does some stuff with the yeah. salary cap. He he and Andy Ellsberg fa- find a way. I mean, uh, yeah, I that's an interesting uh, setup. Uh, rest of the rest of the East: Orlando, Milwaukee, New York, Brooklyn, and Philadelphia all eliminated. Yep. Philadelphia still has an outside chance to tie the worst record in, M- in NBA history. Just needs six or seven more losses. Uh, lost ten in a row. So what's seven more? They've done it before. Western Conference: Golden State still leading the conference, now up by five games over the Spurs. That looks like it's sewn up. Then the Thunder are eleven games behind, despite having won fifty-two and twenty-three, fifty-two games, twenty-three losses, third seed. Uh, they're playing the Clippers tonight, uh, the four seed, four and a half games back. Then Memphis, uh, the fifth seed, 27 games back, 41 and 34 record so far. Portland's only two games back of them, as Nate Duncan talked about as we had him on a show uh, as a guest earlier in the program. Uh, Memphis's schedule is very difficult moving forward. They play Golden State and twice. They don't, they don't have anybody. It's, and they don't have any good players. Right. Like we talked about they just signed Bryce Cotton. Um, sure. You know, and it looks like he will be a major rotation kind of guy. Yeah. So. That kind of gives you an idea of where they are. Uh, and then Dallas and the Jazz are currently tied with identical 37 and 38 records for the 7th and 8th spot. Houston, with their loss tonight, moves to 37 and 39. So, uh, Denver, by the way, 32 and 45, five and a half games back. Um, but the Jazz play them. I believe that's next Friday. So. That sounds right. Uh, I mean, this this playoff race, kind of looking at the the updated playoff odds after tonight, I think the the Rockets' loss really hurt them, uh, kind of bumped them from about a 90% chance of making the playoffs to about a 76% chance of making the playoffs, according to those uh, the 538 models, which actually update after each game, which yeah. is why I like using them. Plus, they, they're friendly to the Jazz for some reason. So, so there you go. <laughs> it's convenient. <laughs> it makes it just is easier for, for me personally as a, as a Jazz fan. Uh, Jazz have a 91% chance up from, what was it, 89? Uh, yeah, 89 before the Rockets game. So not a huge difference. Sure. Then, but, you know, I guess every game counts. Then uh, Mavericks, the main beneficiary of the Rockets percentage is slipping 33% chance now, according to 538, that they end up making the playoffs. Again, so much still depends on the April 11th matchup between the Utah Jazz and the Dallas Mavericks. That's a big one. In Salt Lake City. Yep. Um, determines tiebreaker, obviously determines spots. You know, you'd like to see it sewn up before them, but right now, uh, if those teams kind of 
finish how you'd expect them to finish. The Mavericks would uh, have just one fewer loss than the Jazz. In other words, that game would... That would be the difference. Yep. So, that's not scary or anything. No, seems <laughs> like, totally comfortable. All comes down to one game. That's that's totally okay. Um, other stuff going on around the NBA, though. Anything else you want to note about the standings, by the way? Uh, just that that three through six mess in the East is is going to be one really fun, and two, uh, there any combination of those matchups just looks like a really fun first round series. Yeah, I I agree, and it, it almost it. It, that kind of takes away some of the regular season drama because all four of those teams will be playing each other kind of no matter what. Yeah, it's for just sure. for home court advantage, but it, it doesn't really change the, the matchups that much. Right. Um, but it's, it's still something to look forward to or look at while watching the NBA standings in the Eastern Conference. Uh, some, some news and notes. Yao Ming elected to the NBA Hall of Fame. Well-deserved, despite what Jalen Rose will tell you. Uh, yeah, of course he should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. His peak was incredible. He's like, you know, 22 and 10 or 22 and 11 or something like that for his peak. Uh, he means so like the, we've got to get out over this idea that it's just NBA. Right. Like this it's is this thing that, hall yeah, it's the basketball hall of fame. He's getting in from the international committee. He, his influence in China has made the NBA probably billions of dollars. Yes. Like he has contributed on the court, off the court, regardless. Like he is absolutely a hall of fame player. Yep. Uh, Speaking of the Rockets, Montrez Harrell is in the D League, uh, but he shoved a ref down to the floor and not recommended. Yeah, it's scrimmage that's been suspended for five games, which keeps the NBA Ref Association happy and keeps him from being called up in case the Rockets wanted to for some reason subject uh, him to the the apathy. Right. Boogie Cousins picked up his 16th technical last night, sarcastically clapping at official Mark Davis Wh- as in they unison, won the game in unison with Rajon Rondo up 14. Yeah. Or 16 with, with like six 30 seconds left. Oh, six seconds left. Okay, yes. there you go. Uh, and just couldn't hold back. You know, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> I have been a sarcastic ref clapper in okay. my, my time or two. Right. Uh, in whether that be watching NBA basketball sure. or even in, in playing. I, I play indoor soccer as well. And, and at, time, at times given a, a little sarcastic cheer. Do, to, you, ever, to do you ever hold your own yellow and red cards to hand to the referee? I wish I did. That's a good idea. That, I mean, that's a pro- things that could get me it's an agi- kicked out. You, that would make you an agitator, but <laughs> I think it's worth it. I think it's, I think it's worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, so picked up a 16th deck, which means he's suspended for the next game. Yep. I think it's worth it personally. Sure. <laughs> he doesn't want to play for George Carl anyway. This no. is a vacation for him. It's actually a great. Uh, they probably planned this before the game, no yeah, matter what like, happened. They're like, are we still going to do this if we win? <laughs> right. <laughs> they didn't know what to do. Uh, Jason Kidd announced that Giannis Antetokounmpo will start next season as the Bucks' starting point guard. I don't like this. You don't? Why? I just think he's a better matchup problem for big men. I think he's fun as a point guard. Like, sure. Just from a watchability standpoint. I, I do. I just like like he's been unreal since they've moved him to point guard during this last stretch. I also wonder, like, how many teams are taking the Bucks seriously? No, that's fair. Yeah. Um, and I guess we'll find out. I, I think it's a worthwhile experiment for them. Yeah, I mean, Even I guess it, I guess if you don't feel like they're definitely a playoff team next year, then yeah, they should be. I think trying to find these situations. Yeah, they should. They should absolutely add talent and you know yeah. probably trade Brandon Knight and get some something else. Probably get a little bit more. They traded Brandon Knight or Michael Carter Williams. Who am I thinking of? Greg Monroe. Uh, I don't know. Who OJ Mayo. Who's who injured for them that forced Giannis into the starting lineup? Oh. Carter Williams, Michael Carter Williams, yeah, thank and OJ Mayo, and I think maybe even Jared Bayless. The point is, you need probably better. You need better talent than Michael Carter. Shooters, Williams. you need, yeah, you need better players. Yeah. Uh, 
Yes. So I, I'm I'm kind of for Giannis playing point. I'd rather him be a center, to be honest with you. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Chris Paul is taking the summer off of Team USA. I I think this is really interesting because that's so much of Chris Paul's legacy in my mind is how he's played with the Olympic teams. He's been. I mean, you actually have quite a bit, quite a few holes in this Olympic team now. Hmm. Uh, Anthony Davis won't play. Chris Paul won't play. Uh, you have situation like I'm trying to one. I'm trying to figure out like is there a chance where Derek Favors or or Gordon Hayward actually find their way onto it because of the Derek guys Favors taking time even off. on the select roster. Oh, he didn't even make it. So just Gordon Hayward. Right. Yeah. Gordon though might. I mean, I guess they could add Derek Favors. Right. They because could. of the injuries. Yeah. But I, I I'd be surprised given how well, much he, they've he, ignored him to this point. Is he not a Nike athlete? Because that's really all they add. <laughs> it's just Nike. He might athletes. be. A I honestly don't know. Yeah. Um. That maybe that's it. <laughs> maybe that is it. Because I mean, guys like Kenneth Reed have gotten the, the right. call over Derek Favors, which, which is, is ridiculous. statistically ridiculous. Yeah, realistically um, ridiculous. Yeah, objectively ridiculous as well. Uh, yeah, guys like Miles Plumley. Right. Uh, was it Mason who? Oh, it was Mason Plumley. Mason got called yeah. up, but as, regardless of which Plumley, any kind of Plumley should not be on the Olympic team. Uh, the Hawks left Jeff Teague at the arena after playing in Detroit on Saturday. Sure. Uh, he also held, he was, there was this picture of him waiting, calling, I think he called his sister to take him to the, the airport or something before the bus circled him back, but okay. he's holding his pizza sideways. Like it's a, like it's a book or something. So he's got a, he's got a little Caesar's pizza and instead of holding it horizontally, like yeah. people hold pizza, so it doesn't get all weird. Right. He's holding it like it's a, like it's a book or something like a laptop under his shoulder. That's a confusing decision. I don't, uh, are I we don't sure understand. there was pizza in there? No, we're not. You know, okay. it could have been something else. But he could just be holding a... It's a pizza box. A pizza box? Sure. It's definitely a Little Caesars box. Okay. Maybe it... Yeah, maybe it had secret documents. What if he uses that something. as a briefcase? Maybe that's a briefcase. The perfect cover. You'd <laughs> I, never I suspect like it. it. Yeah. No, certainly no. <laughs> uh, Blake Griffin is now practicing, so his suspension has officially began. He'll be allowed back in action in, on April 3rd. The Clippers have done fairly well they, without him. I mean, still I think... Four seed. Certainly better than expectations, I yeah, think is fair absolutely. to say. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how they integrate him back into the lineup. I think they should run more four or five pick and rolls. Him and DeAndre Jordan. Cool. I, it, yeah, no, it's I think it's very good sense. when it happens. It doesn't happen often, but it's very good when it does. Uh, and then Rachel Nichols makes a case that the NBA needs to move the 2017 All Star Game out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Just peeled, repeal, or sorry, just passed this new pro discrimination law um, mm. against LGBT and and kind of the, yeah. the whatever. Right. It's discriminatory. It's kind of one of those weird gender laws identity that are discrimination being passed. Yeah. Right. And the NBA made a statement saying that they were going to consider. We have to, yeah, evaluate whether or not the, the league will have its all star game uh, in 2017 in the state of North Carolina. Yeah. I, that's an interesting call, right? I mean, I, I think. It, it, well, it's interesting because it's unfair to the city of Charlotte because they were trying to do the right thing. Right. And it's unfair to the Charlotte Hornets because they don't really have anything to do with that. But at the same time, you send a message saying, like, look, if you want a basketball team, Let's pretend to all be in the year 2016. Yeah. Like, let's all be, like, let's get rid of the crap with discrimination, all this. Stuff. Like, let's let's be a country and be a community and, and not discriminate for just stupid reasons. This idea that we're passing laws, and this is so political for the show. Sure. But this idea that we're passing laws to prevent uh, cities from writing anti-discrimination laws, that's weird to me. That's... It's a why uh, d- discrimination yeah. seems bad. I don't know. It's like the guy code. You don't actually need the co- like. Just <laughs> if you're being a jerk, stop being a jerk. Yeah. That's all you need to know. Whatever. I mean, <laughs> I-, I don't know what to say. 
We're yeah, guy could we're we're running into just all these things that seemingly are common sense. They however. should be common sense. There should be a common sense factor here that is like, oh, no, maybe you shouldn't discriminate against people. Oh, no, maybe you shouldn't just, just pretend like your friend can do anything because you guys are bros, <laughs> like, except for punching the genitals. One of my favorite things about the NBA is that for some reason, like, all of these different parts of actual reality come into it. Like, sure. whether that be the soap opera D'Angelo Russell cheating thing or all of a sudden now we've got, like, legislation playing an impact to, you know, when the, the CBA negotiations are happening, now you're getting into, like, labor laws and those yeah. sort of things. It's surprisingly, you learn a surprising amount of all about all these other aspects of, of reality just by following the NBA. You do. And here's an interesting question, and we don't have to get into it because it's, it's a lot, but should we be questioning Adam Silver about being involved with China. I if we're talking discrimination and labor laws and all this stuff, that's a fair follow-up question to Adam Silver when he says we may take the All-Star game away from Charlotte. Uh, especially if they take it to China. <laughs> that would be a, that's a decision. That's <laughs> that, a big time decision that I don't really I don't agree with. I don't think you do that. All right, we got to take a break. That's uh more of the Salt City Hoop show next after this. ESPN 700 You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Is there a Hawks game tonight? Uh, that's a good question. I don't No, there is no Hawks game tonight. This is misleading. Uh, thanks to our producer, John LaFollette, for doing all the music today. Apparently, we played Yakety Sax 15 times in a row during the 8 o'clock That's segment, a lot of so. Yakety Sax. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can if you want. If you miss that segment, you can always listen to it later. Sure. As a, yeah, we do the show as a podcast as well on saltydoops.com, ESPN700sports.com. You can also subscribe to it on iTunes and Stitcher. So, sure. I, I would say that's a yakety sax addiction. Yeah. I mean, clearly but, we have a problem. Right. Uh, <laughs> two things. One, we got a tweet from Joshua Beal. Uh, asking superstar calls, question mark. Is that a real thing, question mark? Or is that just something that people talk about but not real? And if it is real, why does the NBA permit it to continue? doesn't make sense to me. I thought you had an interesting answer to this. So I, w- I was listening to Adrian Wojnarowski's uh, Vertical Podcast uh, today, and it's the second most recent episode with Joey Crawford, okay. retired referee, 39 years in the league. Uh, I thought he was a fantastic referee, really good insight into refereeing, into his own personal um, you know, feelings about like his reactions on courts and in games and stuff. And he brought up an interesting point of familiarity, you know, helping players, coaches, and referees, you know, kind of learn what to call for each other and how to ref the game. And he basically said, you know, young referees don't get a lot of respect from players and coaches because they're just not familiar with them. They don't recognize them. They don't know their names right off the top of their head. You know, there's just not a familiarity and a, and a continuity with how they interact with each other you know, with calls and everything. Mm-hmm. And and it, the same way goes for young players in the league is that they don't really know the players. They don't really know how they play. They don't really know, you know, what tendencies to look for and stuff. So they call them a little tighter and, and you end up, you essentially end up earning that respect. And I, superstar calls are a real thing. LeBron, Steph, James Harden, those guys get different calls than, you know, Chris Johnson and uh, Pat Beverly and other guys, you know, like they, that, that's a real thing. I don't think it's a bad thing, though. I think it's okay. I think as long as it's consistent with how a game is ref is officiated. So if if they're playing loose and they're playing tight, or if they're if they're calling a loose game and they're allowing a lot of contact, 
you shouldn't you shouldn't call it for just one guy because he's a superstar. Right. So as long as it's within the flow of the game, it's it's okay to me. Um, but yeah, it's a real thing. Yeah, and I I think you know as as a Jazz fan, I I look at how many fouls Gordon Hayward gets, and you know when I watch the games, it seems like he's being shortchanged a little bit. Sure. And then I look at the statistics, and he's actually one of the better yeah. foul drawers in the league. So, uh, I, I mean. For me, it's hard to find real statistical evidence of that other than, you know, of course, the superstars are better players than the other ones. That's sure. how they got that way. But I, I do think kind of that, that inexperience factor can be a real, yeah. a real issue. And here's, here's my question. Did you have a problem with it when Carl Malone was getting star calls? Because he shot he, the most free he throws. He got a lot of free history. throws. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. That's, yeah. A, that's a fair point. Uh, Jazz play the Minnesota Timberwolves tomorrow night here in Salt Lake City. You spoke with Carl Anthony Towns earlier today. I did for about an hour. Uh, he was great um, talking about... You know his draft process, his rookie year, um, the team. You know coming off of a tough loss like, like uh, Wednesday night against the Clippers, where they played really poorly, and Sam Mitchell didn't even take questions after the game and ripped the team. And wow. uh, you know it will be interesting to see how they respond because they are a young team, but they're very talented and they've been one of the best offensive teams in the league. Uh, also one of the worst defensive teams in the league, but one of the best offenses since February 1st. Quickly, how did Carl Anthony Towns respond to that? Or I don't know if you talked about that incident or, uh, but how you know, I think he kind of just chalked it up. Like it's our, like we should have played better. Okay. Like he's, he's very critical of himself. And so, you know, he wants to, he's essentially searching for a perfect basketball game. Yeah. I thought it was interesting in that first Minnesota jazz game. He was super critical of himself despite having, nice wasn't happy. Game. Right. Anyway, that's the end of our show. Thank you guys for listening. Check us out. SaltCityHoops.com. We are the ESPN troop affiliate for the Utah jazz. Everyone have a good night. Andy Larson, Zach Carper, ESPN 700.